Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode 13 of the Reach Films podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fagan, and today we have a wonderful guest, Bing Bailey, filmmaker extraordinaire, who uh, is actually right now based in, I believe, Ireland. We'll double check with him when he comes on, but uh, he's kind of home waiting for the pandemic to clear up, so I figured it's a great time to bring him on the show and talk a little bit about gear today. Uh, we got a lot of gear announcements, uh, camera tech announcements. Uh, we've also got the uh, first week with this little guy right here. Uh, I've had some interesting experiences with it. And then we're also going to talk about Bing's experience being a red user going and getting the Blackmagic Pocket 4K, which I'm actually using right here for this stream. So without further ado, let's pop Bing in and see how he's doing. Bing, how you doing today, man? Hello. It's uh, just after midnight in uh, Ireland right now. Oh, and uh, so my, my brain is a little fuzzy, but I'll, well, thank I'll you for joining us today. Get, get, through, get through everything. I, I've been working on LA time this whole time, so. Oh, that every, makes every sense. Day That's why you're on that LA time zone. Okay. Okay. Mentally. So, how's the uh, transition been over there? How long have you been in Ireland since you know you were there? Like what? Just before the lockdown? I yeah, I came here about the end of March, so I'm headed for about four months now. Oh, uh, and the states looks like a mess, um, yeah. and I don't particularly want to fly right now with the mm. pandemic and I can, I can work remote for most of what I do. So it hasn't okay. been too bad. Uh, at some point I'll, I'll come back probably near November or December or something like that. But who, who knows the stuff that's going on is just 2020 makes no sense. It's like the year of the shining. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's been a pretty crazy year so far. Um, and so, you know, we just got to hope that things get better and we kind of muscle through it and, you know, not that necessarily things are getting much better, but I think everyone's kind of adjusting to this new normal over here. Like sixty to seventy-five thousand new cases every day, fifteen hundred dead. It's like I can't even. It just boggles the mind. You can't even. This is why I want to focus on gear porn, camera. Porn. I know, right? So let's move on to some <laughs> uh, some some positive stuff. So let's talk about the uh, the, the biggest release this past week, the uh, Sony A7S III. Uh, I have the uh, pull up right here. So the A7S III was released, I I forget exactly what day, but uh, interesting camera. It's been something that a lot of filmmakers have been waiting to uh, to be released. Um, and I say it's, in, it's an interesting release because it's still a 4K primarily, uh, primarily 4K camera. Um, you know, the, the big addition was that they added 10-bit. Um, they added 10-bit on pretty much all of the 4K modes, including the 120 frames a second. There is overheating in the 120 frames per second, but uh, mm. you know, it was, I think it's a bold statement that Sony made coming out with their next camera as a 4K camera and not six or 8K. Um, basically saying, you know, 4K is still being used primarily. That's the biggest. Um, that's really the biggest format right now, especially for people in the market looking for a camera like the Sony A7S. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Bing? Well, I have the the, the first one, the A7S one. Uh, I jumped on that as soon as I could because I. Thought I was going to do a lot of low light shooting, and and then it was eight bit, and it yes, it could shoot in low light, but it, it if you if a light got anywhere near the lens, it just bloomed so much it was unusable, and mm -hmm. and you know with all of the, a lot of these DSLRs, the front end is magnificent, the sensors are great, the lenses are great, but the back end is obviously terrible, mm -hmm. and so I feel like Sony has 
basically mostly fixed the back end. Although I'm not a huge fan of their codec, but you know, it would be nice if it was be nice if it was something like BRA or, or even I, I don't understand why none of these things shoot ProRes. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, um, it doesn't seem. Oh, I was, I was you just can't, you can't. Oh, sorry, there's a little bit of a delay here, so we'll get we'll get used to it. The delay, sorry, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the electronic the electronics in these things, the compression that they use is much more intensive than ProRes would be. So yeah, there's no 100%. reason for them not to use a decent, a decent codec other than they're hobbling their lower end cameras so they don't encroach on their Venice cameras and their their higher end cinema camera cameras, which is just ludicrous because those cameras can do things that this camera can't but you know again the, the, yes the back ends got better the the sensor is better it's certainly cleaner mm -hmm. the, it's amazingly clean and it's 10 bit finally which is great and it does do raw output yep. so that you can pull, pull it into an Almas ninja or one of those but mm -hmm. you know i think they're gonna suffer a little bit you know, from from the well, they said their first two were great 4K, and now they're saying this 4K is coming along again. It's like it doesn't it doesn't have the wow factor of now it's 6K, now it's 8K. Even though a lot of people don't care about that, but mm -hmm. but they don't have that wow bit, and I think that might hurt them a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think I, I think you know anyone who's a diehard Sony user, if they were looking for full frame and they didn't want to go the uh, the FX9 route, if that was a little bit too expensive for them. Uh, and they didn't care about the autofocus with the FX9. I, I think the A7S III will do for them, especially if they're invested in Sony. I mean, you know, realistically, you know, what what 6K cameras and 8K cameras are out there? And we'll talk about the R5 uh, later on in the news segment. But I mean, okay, there's the Komodo as far as under the 10,000. E. You've got the E2. Um, the, the which one? The E2. The, Z the E2, right? This, you got all the, the multiple Z cam cameras. You've got... I think the E2 is 4K, but the E2 has 6 and the F6 are both 6K. And I remember there's an 8K version there too. Then you've mm -hmm. got the S1H. Uh, yeah. And is that is that it uh, for under 10,000 and 6K the, uh, or above? The, the Mavo? The Mavo? The Mavo, you're right. The uh, Ky Kyinfinity, uh, their, their cameras. Um, okay. And... That's, I don't know. That's what else. I mean. There's the the Ursa minis. Oh, there's the Ursas, I guess. So the Ursas were above 4K, yeah. but at 4.6. And then you've got the new and Black the Magic. 6K. Yeah, and the Pocket 6K. You're right. And and then the Pocket 12K, um, which that's a whole different beast in its own. Um, so there's not many that, even though we just named a lot, that you know, it's not like there's more than 10 options in above 4K. So I, I think it's a bold statement. Well, like, like, look, Ari still is in 4K. Their new camera that's supposed to be their equivalent to the Komodo as far as affordability, size, and price, that's going to be a 4K camera. So I think depending on maybe what the raw quality is coming out of the A7S III and how great the 10-bit is, it may actually be an interesting release. I think the proof is going to be in in the footage, uh, to be completely it, frank. Yeah, it's going, to have, it has, it's going to have to come down to how well you can grade it can it hold highlights? Is there good dynamic range? Is there good latitude? Can you over and underexpose by at least two or three stops without the whole thing going to a mess? Uh, and we're not, we're just not going to know that until there's more usage. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I will see interesting release, a great news for, for Sony a seven S two uh, users who've been waiting for it for users who are waiting for higher res, um, you know, there are other options. I think they just don't want to necessarily leave Sony, but we'll see what happens.
Um, a quote from EOS HD was, it's a sensible update, but not really as revolutionary as I hoped. Uh, and competition from the S1H is going to be really big. So we'll see. And, and you mentioned yeah, the uh, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been it would have been interesting if they done, did something crazy like brought out like a, a medium format sensor or, or yep. done something like that, and then, and then they, they could, could have scaled it. But then your you know your your lens choices start to get real limited. You yep. know, uh, you, getting fast medium format lenses is kind of difficult. It kind of tops out at two point eight if you're mm. if if you're lucky, and a lot of lenses are in the three and a three point five to four point f range. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I always quite, thought medium you know. format was going to be the next format for cinema cameras. And it kind of is because really the only camera that's out there that's medium format, I think, is the Alexa 65. And that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I have experience using users on the Mahogany glass, uh, Miami glass. And mm -hmm. uh, it gives you a beautifully creamy image like really, really, really nice, but obviously, you know, focusing is a pain and, you know, it's all uh, manual stuff. There's no, no auto, automatic uh, zoom or automatic uh, focus or any of that stuff. So you're back to a lot of manual tricks. But yeah, the image is, is stout, stellar looking, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I'm I've, obviously, I've, some, I'm a, I've seen some you know, great stuff. The better the sensors get, the more mm -hmm. I want to mess up the image. <laughs> you know, I'm slapping filters yeah. on, I'm slapping grain on it. I'm, I'm you know, mm -hmm. I almost, you know, the cleaner the sensors get, the, the more I want to mess up the image. Now, I believe the the Alexa 65, before we go off on too much of a tangent, I think it's their only camera that's over 4K as far as resolution uh, from our. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Everything and else. It's, is and, it's a, and it's a rental. You can't buy it. Correct. Correct. And I think that they, so they have. And I think they have one that's like a special rental too. That's like a specialized version of this, the Alexa 65. I forget what the model number was, but whatever. Um, so the other, the other news in uh, DSLRs, um, Lumix finally released their uh, raw recording firmware for the S1H. So you can now record um, Atomos raw or ProRes raw off of Atomos devices on the S1H. So that'll be interesting to see what, uh, footage people get off of it because I know people have been waiting for a while between the S1H and the EVA1 to get that raw recording. So wait, the way you look at some of it is like, what took them so long? I mean, the, we should have had raw three years ago. Red had raw, Jesus, what was it, 2008, 2009? Yeah, and Black Magic's had raw yeah. since 2013. Granted, the raw really yeah. only got good in 2019, but it was it was still available. You can't you can't knock yeah. them on it not being available. Um, but it's out. And then let's talk about the real raw camera that has been the heat of the discussion, and it's probably going to end this news segment. And I think you know what we're getting at. We're getting at the Canon R5. Uh, yeah. It's, um, you know, look, the footage looks spectacular. I am not knocking oh, them on image oh, quality. No, no, it looks, the footage looks amazing. The, as, as always, Canon sensors are fabulous. Canon color science is fabulous. Uh, but... To put out a camera that overheats is insane. It's yeah, like and that's what we're gonna get to. So, Armando Ferreira, big YouTuber, um, he is a Canon ambassador, and he put out this one video. Uh, and I'm gonna pull up a still that I got from one of the videos he did. But but he put out this one video, and it was basically talking about how he made um, two short films or two two. Not, I guess not necessarily short films, but just you know short clips using the uh, 8K 
Um, and one of them was using the 4K from the uh, from the EO uh, the R5. I always get mixed up EOS R5, EOS R, all that stuff. So here I'm going to pull the screenshot, and it is five three five three. All of a sudden, the next day, this screenshot gets spread around the internet, and everyone's like, "Oh, that uh, that wasn't in his original video." And if you guys are listening to the podcast version, make sure you go over to YouTube and watch our YouTube live video that we're doing. Um, and you can see the pictures that we're talking about. So this picture for the podcast listeners, you have a uh, behind the scenes still of the EOS R5 and you have uh, someone holding a leaf blower on the camera. And you also have someone holding an ice pack. And a few days after this picture was released, Armando made a second video and the title of it was the R5 is not an AK camera. And I was glad he did that because it, it put this picture in a perspective you know, he was able to make some beautiful images out of this camera. However, in all practicality, it's not an AK camera because you're dealing with these overheating issues. Uh, and if you're going to use it on set, not going to happen, not going to work, you know, especially because he was overheating. It took him like 30, 40 minutes to get like another, I think it was like three or four minutes of footage out of it. And then they couldn't use it for like over an hour. So realistically, shooting this thing in AK, not practical for on-set use. For a fun camera, a behind-the-scenes camera, uh, a secondary, third, fourth camera, okay, I could see it being used. But, you know, definitely not with this overheating for a primary camera by any means. It's, it's, it's like selling a car and telling someone, well, every 10 months you're going to have to stop for an hour. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and the fun the funny thing is, and I got another picture right here. So Tilta came out with this mod, and let's pull it up on the screen right now. And I believe this is it. Came out with this mod, and I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke when I first saw it. And this is a no, that's, mod that's for their cage. It's, I know it's real, and it's it was um it's a mod for their cage that that um, screws into the back of the cage. And it is a fan that basically go, you have to pull out the flip screen and it goes where the screen rests and it's supposed to cool down the, the camera. I don't know how effective it's going to be, but you know that the overheating is real when you got a, a mod from Tilta coming out with the fan in it. They, they, uh, they, they, they could have made something that was, you know, chunkier, two, 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 two centimeters wider and stuck a fan in there and it would have solved all these problems and, and it wouldn't have made the camera that much bigger. It's just, it seems like a, a just an own go. I hope, but whoever decided to go with this um, needs to have <laughs> a talking to, because yeah. you're 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 basically releasing a defective camera. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing is they pushed it as if it was an eight K camera, and it's really a four K camera that can shoot eight K in raw. Um, it it, it, really it overheats in four K too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the but but the overheating in 4K is more realistic. It's it, you know yeah. it's it's 30 40 minutes. It's still not good. Don't get me wrong, um, but it's more realistic than 10. So I, yeah. that yes, I think before they rushed to come out with a a full because my I came out with a video on my channel a while ago and it basically said you know, all of you guys who are waiting for the R5, you're in for a big surprise. But my thought of the big surprise was this camera for everything it offered was going to be way more expensive than anyone thought. I thought this thing was going to be six to $9,000. Then we see what it is and the price that it's at. And when I heard about the overheating, I'm like, totally makes sense. 
there's no way you're going to get a camera like this that shoots 8K raw for $3,500 or $3,800 with no downside. Now, the downside, interestingly enough, like it's not, you know, that it crazily crops into the sensor. It's the overheating, which I guess you got a way out, but still not a primary camera. I think that's really the point that that needs to get across. This isn't a main camera that anybody should look at. It's a great secondary camera uh, and it's very powerful. The images are great, but you got to know what it is before you buy it. And, you know, that's my two cents on it. When it, when it originally got announced and I was looking at it, I, I, I thought, okay, red is going to have some competition. that's going to, you know, it's going to mm -hmm. make the, the, the buzz around the Komodo die not down. Be so great. And, and, yep. but when you see what red has put out with the Komodo and then you see it next to this, you know, the Komodo, Komodo is not shutting down after 10 minutes, you know, no. even though it's six is six K, but it's tiny and it weighs nothing. And, and you can mm -hmm. slap on any lenses you want. And, and so red is fine for, for right yeah, now. No, they're, they're fine. They have a lot of great, they have more features in this little camera than they've put in their $50,000 cameras, which is crazy. Yeah. It, but, but like, like, I, I will say it's a great look into what the next line of red cameras are going to offer the DMSC, uh, DS, DMSC three. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be I, the I, next look into what, whatever it is, the third generation of red cameras. It will be the next look into what they're going to have color science wise, feature wise. Uh, and we'll get into that now. It's a great segue. Thank you for that thing. Um, so the red Komodo, uh, I got it last Tuesday and I've been using it in the studio nonstop. Uh, I did two shoots with it. Um, one at quiet waters park and one, uh, actually again at quiet waters park a few days later, but at the wakeboarding complex. And I put this thing to the test outdoors because in the studio, it's a little bit more controlled. It's similar to what you'll go through on set, but this isn't just going to be in a studio. This is going to be, you know, doing a lot of things, especially because of the global shutter. It's going to be outside a lot. And in the Florida heat, I wanted to test it to see how it would work. So uh, I brought this thing out to shoot some wakeboarding. It was like 98 degrees. It was really hot, but this thing uh, performed amazing. First, the batteries, uh, I had the two Canon uh, 9... BP 975 batteries, which are the bigger, chunkier ones. I got like three hours of battery life on uh, on those on those bad boys, which I was so stoked with because the form factor wasn't much bigger than it is right here. Um, I mean, it's it was like this, but you know, just to here. Um, so the fact that I could use those small little batteries and not have to have a V mount plate and a huge V mount and have to worry about charging a bunch of uh, of V lock batteries or or gold mount batteries, it's just it's a lifesaver. Um, you know, the, I did experience, uh, and I spoke about it in my video that I put out yesterday, experienced a few little things. Um, towards the end of the day, uh, it was really hot and there was not much um, cloud cover throughout the day. But towards the end of the day, we started getting cloud cover far out west where the sun was setting. And once the sun went behind the clouds, the temperature dropped about 10 degrees. And I want to bring this up in the podcast because there were some questions in the comments of the video about if this uh, overheated. So the camera did not overheat. But what did happen is that once the temperature dropped about 10 degrees and I was still filming nonstop, I was, I was pretty much filming all day in 5K 48 frames a second. I wasn't using full 6K uh, just because I wanted that little bit of slow-mo. Uh, and about, I want to say 10, maybe 15 minutes after this, after the sun went behind the clouds, 
started having temperature warnings and they weren't temperature warnings as far as overheating, but it was the kind of temperature warnings you get when you got a black balance. And then I also noticed in the footage, it's getting a little F, uh, fixed pattern noise, a little bit of grain. So I went and I black balanced the thing. And as a great test, the black balance on the Komodo is really quick compared to the other red cameras. Um, it took about a minute and a half. Now, again, it was a minute and a half. I had to stop filming, but it really wasn't the end of the world. Um, but it was interesting because they normally rate the black balance at like 30 degree changes. Um, but it was totally the black balance because once I did it, temperature was in the green, all the noise was gone. It was back to normal uh, using it. But like I noted in the video and, and like I just wanted to let everybody know who's listening and watching on YouTube, um, that was a black balance thing. That was not the camera overheating. Um, and you, that's a regular thing with red cameras as far as having the black balance. I just wanted to note that it was only within 10 degrees. Um, but it was other than that, it was a breeze to use the, uh, the other thing that's really cool. The Wi-Fi app, the Wi-Fi app has been uh, pretty decent. Um, the only times I've noticed that, uh, it's been laggy is when there's a bunch of people around. And I just found out in the Komodo group today that you can select different, uh, Wi-Fi channels from the, from the camera itself. So that may have actually solved some of the Wi-Fi, uh, distortion and interruption issues that I was having. So for all you Komodo users out there, if you're using the app to control the camera and to use as your primary monitor, which a lot of you actually are, uh, and, and I don't blame you because if you have a pretty decent sized phone, it makes a nice little screen, especially because with one phone, there's very little latency um, connected to this thing. Um, so just be aware, if you're getting interference, make sure you change the Wi-Fi channels you're using, free tip of the day. Um, uh, as far as other stuff this week, I have um, some audio tests coming on uh, as far as using the internal preamps. Um, uh, so a little a little sneak peek, I did test with the Sennheiser G3 earlier and it was pretty decent. Uh, I have hooked up a H4N to XLR devices and it's worked pretty great, but a lot of people want to know how the Rode Wireless Go works. Uh, the Comica um, XD Boom, especially because the XD Boom lets you have um, two, uh, two transmitters go to one receiver. So there's a lot more tests that I did work on today, but I don't want to give everyone my opinion just yet because I only know what I heard from the camera. I need to see what I, what I hear in the computer before I can give anyone a, a detailed report on that. So look forward to that on the channel this week. And in short, uh, that was my experience this week. I, I was really happy I got to put the Wi-Fi through the its paces because I really do enjoy using it. I'm absolutely going to have to get a monitor <laughs> that without a question. Um, I didn't this week only because I saw the hurricane was coming and you know, thank God we, it ended up being nothing, but I never order things when a hurricane's coming. It's just a, a recipe for things to get lost in the mail. So next week did I'll, you, I'll get you a, use the, did you use the screen that was on top of the camera? I did. did I, I, I did because I had to. Um, I used it when, when the, when the Wi-Fi app started acting up, what I did, uh, is especially cause the light was gone. And at that point I knew that the footage, not that it was going to be bad, but it wasn't nearly as crisp and clean as the footage I got while we had the light. I just closed the aperture uh, like to F 22 and, and because there was more than enough light and I was shooting action sports in slow-mo. So the shutter was already cranked up because I needed those, those crisp. Uh, frames. So there wasn't as much motion blur for the action. And I mean, everything was in focus. So using the top screen at that point really was more for framing. But if I had to focus using this top screen, 
I don't know. I know people have in a pinch and it's worked for them, especially because you can do peaking. And I guess if you're on sticks, you could probably get away with it. But the way I was shooting, since it was, it was, there were a lot of variables, you know, especially when they're doing the air tricks where they're like going in the air and doing these crazy flips and whatnot. It's hard to use the top screen for that unless you don't have to worry about focus. Um, so that's, that's really my, again, I'm a week in. I'm sure I'll learn a lot more. Uh, cause this camera is very different from any of the red cameras I've used, especially with the form factors. So, you know, I'll report more on it this week. Um, but that's the short of it. It can be used in a pinch. It's selective. You got to select what you're going to use it for and know in advance. I'm excited for what it means for the DSM uh, MC3 uh, line because mm -hmm. global shutter, uh, mm -hmm. batteries that last longer media that's mm -hmm. cheaper. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have the Helium 8K, and when I bought the media, each of the cards was three grand, which is insane. Yep, yeah. Uh, uh, so, and I, I think if they put this technology in a bigger body, we might actually get something like maybe 120 frames or 200 frames at 8K. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going nice. to show you something really cool that's going to excite you, but I'm going to let you guys know. This has not been approved by Red, and, and I've only been testing this for a week. So... I, I'm, I don't want to give everybody the the Jeff straight, uh, you know, rate of approval just yet, but I'm going to let you know what I have been using, which is interesting. I got it right behind me. Hold on. Because it really brings the price down. So I have CFast cards. And the CFast cards, as you know, Bing, they're much cheaper uh, than the traditional red mags. Uh, and if you're doing any kind of gimbal work, you're absolutely going to have to use CFast cards. But I got something in a few weeks ago that I – got in anticipation for this camera and it's a cfast to ssd adapter so oh, wow. what this does the ssds are rated for the same write speed as the cfast as long as well let me rephrase you need to make sure that you're getting a ssd that's rated for the same write speed as the cfast this card writes 550 megabytes so theoretically it writes the same write speed as the approved media on the red cards. So I went and I got this. I have a bunch of SanDisk SSDs I've used in the Atomos um, uh, monitor recorders for years. So I figured, you know what? I'm just doing tests this week. I'll, like I said, all the gimbal stuff I did was all in CFast cards. But all the wakeboarding stuff I shot yesterday, especially because it was all 5K48 in HQ, which is uh, three to one compression, I use this for all of it. I didn't have a drop frame. I didn't have any issues. Again, this isn't, I don't consider any of this important stuff. So I can rely on this for these YouTube videos. Uh, and I'll give everybody kind of an updated opinion on how this goes over the next few weeks. But it did work. And the camera does notify you if you have drop frames. And I never got a notification. So, you know, even the CFast cards, you're still looking at hundreds of dollars because you – you can't get away with anything less than really a 256 card. And and ideally you need five, like one or two 512 cards. So this obviously brings the price down a crazy amount. The adapter is about 150 bucks. Uh, and then as these SSDs, the 512 SSDs are like 70 bucks, which is crazy. Um, and but uh, But obviously to use something like this, you need to have a cage because it needs to be mounted on. You're going to have the wire sticking out, which is one another reason why they haven't approved them yet, because they're not too keen about 
you know, a wire sticking out of the camera. The only reason I was okay with it, as you know, with the black magic pocket, we're kind of used to that with you being able to use external media discs uh, via USB-C. So I was fine with that. Um, my whole thing was spend the 150 bucks to potentially save a lot in the long run. And again, it seems to have worked so far, but I'll report to everybody and make an official video on this after I've used it for probably a month. So that way I can have a long-term test and make sure that everything works great. But as of now, it has worked decent. There's a few other SSD manufacturers um, that do. Uh, so this is the SSD that goes in computers. And there's another form of SSD. I forget the exact name of it. Um, U2. The, it may be the U2 one. It's, it's, it's based on, it's based on, yeah, it's based on NVMe. Yes. So that one, that's the one everyone's kind of putting their eyes on because it's so much smaller than this solution. Uh, and even one of the, um, one of the manufacturers went to the red group and asked if they can post it. The only reason they didn't post it is because it hasn't been approved by red yet. And they're actually looking into approving these, but nothing has been approved yet. So stay tuned. Um, these are great alternatives and they not only, not only does the CFAS bring the overall media car, uh, media price down and the batteries brings the battery price down, but this even brings it down further again. Uh, you gotta be safe, right? And right now, while these aren't approved, I would say any shoot that's a paid shoot, if you're going to use this and I don't even know if why you use it in a paid shoot, cause it's still in beta, but any paid shoot, I would stick to CFAST for right now until this, until these get approved. But if you're doing fun work, this could definitely give you a lot more data on the fly. Um, so I figured, I figured how, like how, how quiet was the camera? Relatively quiet, but uh, again, I was in 98 degrees. So I turned on the, uh, I turned it on from quiet to adaptive mode. Uh, and I heard it, but it wasn't like nearly as loud as any of the other cams I've used from red, like, like it, I would say it was about as quiet as my pocket 4k is. And so the pocket 4k for the most part's pretty quiet. If you're in a super hot situation, you can sometimes hear it. You wouldn't be able to hear it in your audio, but you can hear it yourself. I would, I would equal it to the pocket 4k for sure. Yes. My helium sounds like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Before and that's, that's the problem. That's the notorious problem with them. I mean, they, they did such an amazing job. I don't think you'd really be able to see it through here. But, I mean, you could almost, if you had a light, maybe maybe I can do it. If I put a flashlight through here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, originally this started out as, oh, a, there you as go. a kind of a, a crash cam or a GoPro replacement because mm -hmm. people tried to use GoPros on professional films and they look terrible yeah. for more than a couple of frames. And then I think it's turned into so much more than what it started Absolutely. out as. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've happily used it as a B as a B cam, even an A cam. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, the big thing. You know, I, I think depending, a lot of people are also writing and asking in, can this be used as an A cam? And, and I don't want to say yes, as far as blanket statement. Yeah, every production can use this as an A camera. I think it depends on the production. I think for what we're doing on the Star Trek fan film, 100% it could be used as an A-cam. If you're shooting Avengers Infinity War, probably use this as like a C-cam. <laughs> uh, I think there's better options. But um, 
you know, it, it's a great camera overall. And it really just depends on what the project is, what the scope of it is. Uh, and, and that's for, for you to decide, honestly, uh, there's, there's so many different cameras, so many different tools. Um, but it is an amazing camera. And I think a lot of these projects that I'm working on right now, I can absolutely use it as an A cam, a lot of like the medium to low end stuff. Uh, and I'm excited to do so with this, especially cause it's like, I can use my DSLR backpacks and not have to bring huge Pelican cases and travel with this thing. The size of it is just incredible. We're, we're, it's, it's, it's a strange year for cameras with uh, Blackmagic coming out with the Ursa 12K and Red with the Komodo and Canon's failed attempt with, with, with 8K. It's, um, we're really spoiled, actually. <laughs> we're spoiled for riches in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. you know I was shooting back when we, when we had DV and we're trying to get using pro 35 adapters to use pro, you know 35 millimeter lenses and ground glass and you know building out contraptions that were like three feet long and mm -hmm. you know good old at this point, adapters at this point if you can't get a good image out of the cameras the camera's not your problem yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent i mean i still have and and i think stogie's here in the chat i had a the, i still have the lumix g7 i love that thing that thing's like the cheapest camera i've ever owned and I get amazing shots out of it. He got the G85, and he gets amazing shots out of it. I mean, camera tech is so amazing, especially in the past, like, three, four years. It has caught up so much uh, on the low end and medium end. Uh, and I feel like that's a part of the all reason why Red changed their response to the Komodo and somewhat changed what it is. It's still a crash cam. It's still meant to be all the things that I think they originally thought. But now it's that plus more. Um, you know, the last thing I'll leave you on too, uh, as far as the Komodo, the other thing I really liked is it's not working a hundred percent yet, but there's a follow focus mode. Uh, I'd pull it. Can you see the camera? Oh, you know what? I'd have to turn it on. It's a pain, but basically you could use a follow focus mode in the, uh, the app and it's a proper focus wheel and you could put marks on it and stuff. Um, and just use your phone as the follow focus, uh, all electronically. Uh, when I first got it, it actually worked pretty solid. And then as I was like really messing with it, trying to see how well I could do it, uh, I started getting into the flaws as far as it wasn't like I would go to infinity and it wasn't at infinity. It was just shy of infinity. So again, the camera's in beta. They're still working it out. But the fact you can do all that in this app where even when they originally announced the app, they said it wasn't going to have video and it has video and the video is great. So many cool things that I'm looking forward to. Um, and the I app, think the app is based on a, a full control, which I've been using yeah. for a, quite some time by the mm -hmm. same developer. And so it has a long history and they, he's just basically made a version with extra features for red. So, right. you know, it's not necessarily new, but, um, it does amazingly control the camera and, and do a lot of stuff. And he's added lots of stuff. You can have yeah. live monitoring of the feed is amazing. So, but they didn't have live monitoring of the feed in full control, right? No. Because no. I was pretty sure no. that was the Just, big thing that they added on this. Yeah, you could do you could do a lot of the other stuff. You could, you know, control multiple cameras at once. You could change any setting you wanted, but no monitoring wasn't there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of things to look forward to to the Red Komodo, and you know, the, on the next podcast uh, that we do, actually, Jeff Worley who's uh, this amazing colorist uh, who just did, made this a freaking awesome commercial. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to get him to show him when he comes on. Um, I think we're doing it next Sunday. Um, 
but anyways, it was it's interesting. He, even he's loving this thing. But uh, but let's talk about because uh, we're already hitting that the uh, thirty six minute mark. We're just geeking out so much. Let's talk about uh, you being a red user, and you know you're stuck in Ireland. You have that camera mojo that you want to get going. You just want to make some craft, make some films while you're stuck out there. So you ended up getting a Pocket 4K. And so I'm interested to see, so why did you move to the Pocket 4K? And, and I'm, I'm specifically interested too, because I remember when we first had our first dialogue back in December, uh, I know you and Mark Edward Lewis were a little hesitant when, when you found out we were going to do Black Magic. And, and it's cool to see that you ended up getting a 4K. So, so what kind of changed your mind on that? Um, I, I, I was never really against the Blackmagic stuff. I liked it. Although there, there's some of their quality control could, could be improved. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of the sensors have problems with fixed pattern noise and, and, you know, there's a lot, but they are very responsive about fixing things and replacing things. And, you know, they're, they're not fly by night or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The main thing I was worried about was basically just matching between red footage and <coughs> black magic footage mm -hmm. because the color science is different and, and if the, yeah. the color if the cameras weren't matched to each other beforehand, sometimes it can take a lot of effort to get mm -hmm. them to, to sing together and, and, and look good. But I have a lot of red stuff, but it's all in Los Angeles. And if I imported it into Ireland, they would try and charge me VAT on it. I, I was and just I, thinking that I, I, I don't, I, I didn't want to, you know, basically yeah. give the Irish government 12,000 euros yeah. to get my own gear. You're like, I'll just buy a pocket well, camera for much less. But, well, basically, basically, you know, I, I looked at it and I was like, Oh, what do I want? Do I want to get the, the 4k or the 6k? And then I saw these anamorphic lenses by Siru that came out mm -hmm. and I, I, I went through, hours and hours and hours of footage and i remarked on on a lot of it that jesus it looked really cinematic like and i some people are like oh it's not sharp enough i'm like i think people are too obsessed with sharpness i, agree. Uh, I don't like things that are overly sharp i it use video old lenses sometimes. yeah I, I use old lenses just so i can take that digital edge off so, so it doesn't look digital mm -hmm. and so i saw the combination of the black magic and the siru and I saw that it didn't really, work. it wasn't going to really work on the 6K, but it did work on the 4K. Mm -hmm. And I've been a bit of a, a snob when it came to the sensor sizes. It was like 35 millimeter and up. Yeah. You know, the idea of going down to four, micro four thirds is like, you know, are we going down to amateur hour? What's going on? And then, <laughs> and then, you know, then I looked at look, looked at the actual sensor size, and it what it, it, it was in between Super 16 and super 35 and it wasn't right. that much smaller just right. and it's and it's so larger slightly. than uh, it's larger than micro four thirds not much larger yeah but it is slightly no but it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's slightly larger and and it was like well the images look good and if you you know with black magic with any camera if you light it well it's gonna sing it's gonna look fantastic yeah. and you know Adding that doing tests tests with it, and you know it has its some weaknesses. Obviously, you you need diopters if you want a close focus, and you need to be three feet away to get you know focus. And and uh, the fifty is acts more like a long lens. Uh, and you know, I really hope they're bringing out a thirty-five millimeter tomorrow, yeah. which will drop sometime in the middle of August. Uh, I really hope they bring out a twenty-five. 
I agree. Uh, I know that it's probably going to be bigger and heavier. And so, but I'd like to be able to get a set because I think with a 25, a 50 and a 75, I could shoot a uh, feature and, and, and not make too many compromises. Yeah. Uh, but image, image wise. Oh my God. I was, I, I, I've been amazed at what I've been able to pull out of it and the low light ability, the dual ISO on the camera works quite well. And, yep. and it's not, it's not a low light camera. It, 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 it really isn't. It still needs light, but if you, it doesn't need necessarily huge lights. Right. You know, I've been using the little uh, Aperture RGB, and, and um, they make really cool key lights. They're not going li to light up a tunnel. They're not going to, no, you know, no. they won't do. They, they won't do that. It's hard to but light up a room with them. Yeah, but if you if you you know if you're lighting people, and yeah. uh, you do just little accent lights in the background, they look mm -hmm. fabulous, and the camera picks them up really well. And I, I've, I've been able to push the uh, the footage quite a bit in in post with messing with it and Da Vinci and, you know, been happily surprised at how good of an image you can actually get out of it. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole of, of what I actually can pull off. And the downside is that you, you know, you have the camera, it's small, and now you're going to have to rig it 10 ways yeah. to Sunday to actually use it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I got a Mosa Air to do gimbal work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking at small rig and tilta tilta's cage to to, mm -hmm. to rig it up for shoulder work, and mm -hmm. so I'm gonna pull in a slider and and see what I can pull out of it. Although you know the camera's only twelve thirteen hundred uh, euros, but once you rig it, you're looking at five. It's way more. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the small rig route because I knew right away when I got that thing, I'm like. I'm going to have to mount stuff to it. I'm going to have to, I, there's no way I can mount it to the camera without a cage. Uh, and they did a great job, both small rig and Tilta, um, on making it nice and form fit. So it's like, it's not that much larger. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I just leave the small rig cage on it all the time, but it also in a good way, in a bad way, it makes the camera heavier because the camera for me is much lighter than other cameras I've used. Um, it's too but, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's the problem. It's a little too light and it felt cheap. But it's not that it was cheap. It was that they purposely made it that light. So the great news is, you know, if you're going to put it on a gimbal, you know, that's good for the gimbal, that it's a much lighter camera. But the bad news is if you're going to put the cage on and then you're going to put the camera, the Pocket 4K with the cage on a gimbal, it's hard. It is hard to balance that thing. On a, a pretty much it's been hard for me to balance this thing, the Pocket 4K with the cage on on any gimbal except for like a Ronin. Or, or uh, I'm assuming a, a, a movie free fly, their higher end gimbals could probably withstand the weight. But anything lower, like you know, a Ronin M, a Ronin MX, um, you know, the single single handed, pretty much any of the single handed gimbals. I've seen people put cages on the Pocket 4K and say that they could use it, but then I see their footage and I'm like, no, there's like shake and micro wobbles and it's just unacceptable. But you know, like. You don't need the cage when you rig it. It's just more of the pain of having to take the cage off every time. I think that's the one thing that they all missed. It would have been nice if there was like some kind of single release where you can just pull the camera out of the cage and put it in. Honestly, at that price, get two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. that's true. Rig one, rig one in the cage, and rig one for the for for the gimbal, and and you know, uh, two, two two of them is the same price as one six uh, K pocket six K. So, uh, but. You know the 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 
you know, I'd be shooting red if I could if I could get my red. But even the red on gimbals is a pain. And yeah, you know, this is the uh, first one I had an easy time on gimbals. Not as easy of a time on my Wii build just because of how small it is. But like on my Ronin M, easy. But again, it's the form factor. It's in the weight distribution. They they got it right on this. But again, that's what this thing was meant for. I think they they envisioned it in mind to be that gimbal camera that you could put on a quadcopter and go fly it. Um, yeah, I want to see that stuff on a on a drone to be able to which is is okay or the X seven. But it's still not as good as is the dynamic range you're getting out of a red camera and the footage mm -hmm. footage it doesn't exactly match you can get it close but you know it's always better to try and use cameras and, and now what family. camera was that because you you broke up a little bit there when you were saying the camera and the 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 dji x5 and x7 gotcha. Can, gotcha. yeah you, you know it's 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 getting closer to uh, an image you could match but it's it's not quite there Mm -hmm. And be able to to mount this thing, the Komodo on a on a drone, would be pretty awesome. I think you could easily match the rest of your red stuff. I agree. I agree. And it's, and it's global. And it's global shutter. I know. That's why it's I'm so stoked on it. Global shutter. This week I'll I'll have some some tests. I uh I'm gonna do go shoot some car stuff from a uh, chase car this week, and then I also I'm talking to one of my buddies about taking it up on a plane. Not a not a helicopter, unfortunately, but. Plane's good enough, um, so we're, we're gonna could, we're gonna could, be doing some tests. You could stick this thing on the dash of a car. I know that's how small it is. Uh, my you, only you, thing that's is just, that's, it, you can you just need to make sure you choose the right batteries or you have it powered externally from uh, using the power port. If you do that, then you could totally stick it in really small places. But if you go with the big chunky batteries like I have, uh, it does make it a little bit cumbersome to stick it in the smaller areas but i mean they have small batteries and you can also power it externally so there's ways to get around that um and i mean i've seen this thing with the pancake lens from um from canon that 24 mil and the profile is just so small it is crazy how small it is with that lens it's like it's tiny i think gdu also has has that 40 millimeter yep uh, and that's what like, they've been using they've been doing so some thin. promos with the uh, 40 mil gdu uh ef lens uh, and it's looked great. It's looked great. And they were doing like POV shots, you know, like they had it mounted up to someone's bicycle and they were just having it aimed it at them. It was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, I'm a, I'm a little jealous. I, I would, I wouldn't mind having the Komodo in my hands right now. Yeah. No, nah, look, I'm, I'm very happy that, that, that I was able to get it as early as I was. And that's why, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to test it last week. And I think the only thing that kind of ruined it was the hurricane. Uh, you know, again, thank God, you know, it could have been worse. Um, but now that the hurricane's over starting tomorrow, it's back on full test routes. So, you know, more, more on the Komodo soon. I'm sure you'll see much more of it being, I gotta, I gotta send you some footage too, that I took. I, I actually have it on my drive. Uh, I think actually I sent you some, but that was very basic test footage. That was like day one. Be nice to play around with just push it around in DaVinci and see, see how, how easily you could break or not break the footage. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll be sending some to you this week. So, so Bing, thank, thank you. I, I, well, I think we'll end it here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was great nerding out with you about tech. Awesome. Fun. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in to the uh, podcast. If again, if you guys were listening on iTunes, make sure you head over to uh, youtube.com slash reach films. 
You could join the conversation. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel and you can see when we go live. And until next time, my name is Jeff Fagan and I will see you guys on the next video. Ciao.